Spoiler alert. Our intention on the Slashers and Screamers podcast is to bring you an entertaining escape from your workday or commute. But as we dive into your and our favorite horror flicks of all time, that entails spoiling scenes and endings to movies that you may not have seen. If this is important to you, we do advise you pause the, this podcast now and watch the film from this episode and come back to us. We're waiting. A series of events test the belief of a small, isolated countryside village. But as always, we know there's more to a creepy village than meets the eye. We watch M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, so travel back to Covington with us, but be sure to follow the rules. Another episode of Slashers and Screamers. I am one of your co-hosts, Billy Graves. Let's just go ahead and get into this. I want to introduce my co-hosts. First and foremost, her poll item won this week's Twitter poll, and I know she's been excited for the episode, so let's just go ahead and bring her out right now. The newly dubbed Final Girl, Casey. Hey, Billy. Long time no here, Casey. <laughs> yep, it's been about two weeks. Has it been that long? It feels like it's been months. Nope, not quite. Well, you know, this is your move. This is your movie. You won the poll handily, might I might I add. I don't, oh, I don't yeah. even think. Yeah, my, my my movie didn't get any votes. Yours got them all, almost. Almost. It was kind of a slam dunk on my end. It was a slam dunk. I don't like slam dunks. Why this movie? Um, I like movies that will create conversation. Obviously, this is a podcast, but also it's pretty divisive, and I like arguing. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, he's got dibs on next week's film. We can't hear. We uh, we can't wait to hear what he's got for us. Which you know he's probably gonna wait till the end anyway. But he is the godfather of droll, James Brown, JB, my man. Welcome back. I'm in here. I don't know what's going on. I watched a movie about a goat. That's about all I know. <laughs> So, Went to the Renaissance Fair, had a turkey league, been catching some fish. I don't know. So it sounds like you did everything but watch The Village. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> you got to narrow it down to something. That sounds about right. <laughs> and finally, when he was born, his parents were expecting children, but boy, were they wrong. Welcome back, Slick Rick Sims. Ricky, what say you? What's up, man? Hey, same old same. We're here for episode four, I think, if I'm counting correctly, of Slashers and Screamers. And, I mean, what what better than an M. Night Shyamalan flick? Overall, do you love the movie or do you hate the movie? Uh... Overall, I'm not really a big fan of M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong. So what you're saying is this was an excellent pick. Yeah, the greatest. <laughs> All Thank right, you. family. See, it, it doesn't take much, Rick. It doesn't take much. That was sarcasm, by the way. But Well, see, now you ruined it. Now you ruined it. Well, it I'm excited to talk about the film. He's a child. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk about it. He's one of my very favorite directors. All right, Mr. M. Night Shyamalan. And I know it's been mentioned um, by Casey that this film is very polarizing. Either you love it or you hate it. Uh, but I feel like... Or you didn't like, watch it. Or you didn't watch it. Yeah, that, that's... There's also a third option there that you <laughs> didn't watch it, and you ended up watching The Witch instead of <laughs> The Village, and you came prepared to talk about goats because it is kind of in your wheelhouse, a la James Brown. So... But, you know, again, it's polarizing, but I think that holds even more true for Shyamalan himself. He's a polarizing director. I don't know anybody that's just like, meh, yeah, he's all right. Most people that I know either love him or they hate him. Why do you think that is? 
I think people like to say that they guess twist endings, um, and that's fine. There are endings that I think people have guessed. Like, I know there are twist endings that I've guessed. I don't think you guessed Sixth Sense. I don't think you guessed this. I don't think, you know, like, there's a lot of things in those movies where people like to be critical of a twist, and I think that's boring. Rick, why does everybody either love or hate M. Night Shyamalan? Um, I think kind of his movies are kind of hit and miss. I mean, I you know, I like... Uh, there's a really good movie that I think is underrated. It's called Devil that he does. Um, that's one I really like for him a I lot. Like Devil. Um, I own it. Um, the Happening could could care less. Thought it was horrible. Um, just like The Village. Um, you know, but there's other movies too. Like Signs is okay. Not my favorite, but I really like Sixth Sense. So it's kind of like some people will like his films and some people will like other ones and some people just hate them all together. I think he's okay. He's not terrible. Well, see, you're, I think you're the exception then because nobody else I know just thinks he's okay. It's either, it's, it's the one extreme or the other. And I, I don't understand that. I actually do like the happening. And I think it's because it's a very elementary synopsis and yeah, you can't guess it because it's almost like, um, you know, Occam's Razor. Like, you, you think there's some giant creature out there. Well, giant creature movies have been done to death. What, what, when's the last time that, you know, all of humanity was attacked by nature itself? I can't think of any flicks like that. I think it's an original thought. Like, we are a problem here on Earth, right? So nature's going to start fighting back and eradicating what the issue is. And that's what you have in the happening. Spoiler alert. James, you've got to be a Shyamalan fan. Yes, I tend to enjoy his movies. <laughs> the one he doesn't, that do it. he doesn't do the one you saw about the goat, right? The one I saw about the goat was an excellent film. Well, you know, he doesn't have any movies about werewolves. There are no giant creatures. Well, there are some giant creatures in his film um, in the forms of aliens, in the form of what we have here. Now, whatever you find out about said creatures later on in the film is a whole different thing altogether. But for a moment, and for a good long moment, you think you're in the middle of something, and I'm talking about this film, The Village. You think you're in the middle of something that you're very much not in the middle of. And I was kind of excited about them creatures, and then it was just stupid. Well, but why is it stupid? Because you you need for there to be a creature, or because I've got to have the creature? Okay, so James is a creature uh, a creature feature type of guy. That's right. He's a, cre he's a creature himself. What did so I, I can... tell you? What did I say the other day? I need a creature and a pretty good backstory or lore to lure me in. But you have all of that in this yeah, film but... until. Yeah, until you find out, you know, a, a pivotal part of the story. And then it's just like, why did they even do this? Well, that that's where your lore and your story comes in. Because I think it is a, a very clever and well thought out, you know, timeline here. And there's a reason for everything, for every decision. And we're, we're going to get into that. But, you know, right now... Well, I think know, it's just more simple-minded people. Oh. Their beliefs... Oh. And they're trying to get away from things. Well, yeah, that I mean, and that's kind of you know heading towards you know spoiler and alerts. So we don't get too. Police. We don't want to get too far into it, James. On to the other people. James, all I know is you can't be pleased. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to seg into this round, crack the case before we get into the woods. So, I mean, you know how we did it last time. We've got a case that you guys have to crack. And I'm going to read you the case, and I'll ask you a question. You can ask me questions as the moderator, but I can only give seven responses. Yes, no, yes and no, irrelevant, I don't know, define what you mean by, and rephrase your question, okay? I've got a question. Oh, well, go ahead. Can I be the moderator? That is a big negative, sir. Damn. I mean, no. That's what I meant. All right, here's how the case starts off. The name of this case is Oxford Don, and the case is as follows. Donald Cartwright, an arrogant lawyer, is found dead in a store. The murder weapon, in plain sight, is never discovered. Who killed Donald? And how? So, last week, I believe we started off the questioning with Casey, went to Rick, and went to James. James, since you won the last round, let's go ahead and start with you and go back the other way. What kind of store is it? Rephrase your question. Who did it in the store? <laughs> <laughs> 
Is it a gun store? No. Rick? What type of lawyer is he? Rephrase your question. I don't know. I don't know. Pass. Casey? Um, you just said that, well, do we know if it's, do we know if it's winter? Irrelevant. Okay. All right, that's the end of round one. (laughs) That being the end of round one, I will give the first clue. Cartwright's body was sitting in a chair. James, next question. What kind of store has a chair in it? Was he killed by a can of biscuits? (laughs) (laughs) No, Rick. Was it a furniture store? No, Casey. Was it a shoe store? Yes. Second clue, Cartwright had been a prosecuting attorney. James, next question. Was he killed by a high heel shoe? (laughs) No, Rick. Uh, Was he getting his shoes shined? No. I'm going back to James's question. He's just imagining old Car- or Cartwright laying there with a with a stiletto in his eyeball. <laughs> Casey, your question. Um, repeat the second clue again. The second clue is Cartwright had been a prosecuting attorney. Was he getting like his shoe size taken, like with the thingy? You know. Define what you mean by getting his shoe size taken. Okay. Um, I. <laughs> I don't know what you would call this, but there's, like, the little adjustable metal thingy that tells you what your shoe size is. Okay. No, he was – no, he was not getting his size taken. Mm -hmm. James, that's the end of the clues, by the way. There are only two. That's the only two clues? Yes. (laughs) Rick, your question. Uh, was he killed by a shoehorn? No, Casey. Shoehorn. I don't think a shoehorn's a real horn, James. Uh, Rick. <laughs> that seems like a James question. I almost called you James. I don't know what but. a shoehorn is. It's the thing that you you adjust. You can like adjust the shoe to get your foot in the shoe. Like you know how we put our thumb in the back of it and struggle, and like our thumbs come out all red and 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 fucked up. Well, there's an actual tool that you use for that to help get your heel into the shoe, and that's a shoehorn. So when somebody says, "I guess we got a shoehorn Rick into this podcast," it means it was already kind of full, but we invited him on just because, so we forced him in. Right. Not that that happened. No. <laughs> I've heard people say that. I just didn't know it was, like, actually a tool. I don't know what I thought they were saying. Um, James still thinks a shoehorn is, like, the thing that, um, you know, the, that goes on the front of, like, Iranian shoes with, with a little with a little spike on the front of it, like the Iron Sheik had. <laughs> it's a shoehorn. Fuck it. Don't laugh. I don't care. <laughs> um, was he murdered the uh, blunt force trauma? No. Okay. James. <laughs> well, let's see here. He was in a shoe store. He was murdered. Not by a shoehorn or a thing that you measure your feet with. What was his shoe size? I don't know. Rick? <clears throat> did he, like, did he faint or did something happen to him to fall out of the chair? He's... Define what you mean by faint. Because <sighs> like... remember, this is murder. Not, <laughs> not, he didn't pull a million dollar baby. Man, I don't know. Man's been murdered. (laughs) Casey? Did he die via asphyxiation? Yes. Bring out the big words. Okay, that's a word. Do you watch Law and Order? They say that shit all the time. I do not. I'm sorry. (laughs) Asphyxiation. Can I guess? You're saying the subject had anal contusion. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Go ahead, Ice-T. Part right four. Did he get strangled with a shoelace? He did. I don't know anything else though. Well, at that's all in the, the how world. we need to know the who. Your mom. She did not do it, James. <laughs> who did she say? <laughs> Define what you mean by who did she say? <laughs> who did I say? She, she was strangled by a shoelace. Cartwright was killed by a shoelace. Right. Strangled even. And she said, who did it? But I didn't hear what she said. No, no. That, I, um, I, said, I said we know the how, but we need to know the who. That was me. I don't think that our voices sound alike. It was the mayor. <laughs> the mayor? No. Rick? Uh, did his wife get really mad at him? 
No, Casey. <laughs> was it like someone who he previously prosecuted working at the shoe store? Yes! Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Investigators must discover that Cartwright was strangled with a leather shoelace by the innocent man he had sent to prison. The story, Jeff Dandridge, unjustly convicted of manslaughter, had left prison after serving 10 years, changed his name, and found a job selling shoes. One night while Jeff was alone in the store, Donald Cartwright, the prosecuting attorney who had put him away, came in for a pair of Oxfords. Cartwright obviously didn't recognize Jeff, so he couldn't have suspected that he was about to pay the steepest possible price for sending Jeff up the river. While getting Cartwright's shoes in the stockroom, Jeff removed the leather lace from one shoe and palmed it. As Cartwright donned the new Oxfords, Jeff moved behind Cartwright and strangled him with the lace. Satisfied that justice had finally been served, Jeff put the lace back into the shoe on Cartwright's foot and tied it. He then left the store and the city, never to be heard from again. The shoe was now on the other foot. Good job, <laughs> Casey. I don't know what you win this week, because obviously we have the movie for next week in James's little noggin, so we're going to have to come up with something else. Maybe right, we should right. all, yeah, well, maybe, maybe we should all, like, sing something. S no. Sing something to, to Casey no. James. <laughs> it's going to be the final countdown again. That's exactly how it goes, James. All right. <laughs> fantastic round of crack the case no i hope nobody's gonna be swinging from a ceiling fan before that story ended so it's time to get into the village so rick let's sag into rick's rundown all right the cast is top notch by far the best cast in any movie we've covered thus far so give it to us rick all right yeah there's a uh, lines in this people um, that have heard of uh, these actors, act, act, actors, actresses. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, she's been in a lot of stuff. She's been in Jurassic World. She's been in other movies I can't think of. Uh, she's been in Ron Howard's Scrotum. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix. Um, he's been in Walk the Line. He's been the Joker. Um, he's been in a lot of other stuff. Signs. Adrian, another Shyamalan movie. Yeah. Adrian Brody. I, I know the name. I know who he is. I just was drawing a blank of what he's been in, honestly. Um, William Hurt, I have no clue. Heard the name. Couldn't tell you a movie he's in. Uh, Sigourney Weaver, of course, she's in Alien. Uh, she's in, gosh, she's in a lot of stuff. She's in Galaxy Quest. She's in um, a bazillion other movies. Um, Judy Greer, uh, she is in this, and she is in uh, Bridesmaids. She is in The New Halloween. She is in plenty of other things, I'm sure, that I can't think of. Um, actors and actresses are not my forte. Uh, anyway, um, movie's called The Village. Um, it was made. It was directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Um, he's done Lady in the Water. He's done Signs. He's done Sixth Sense. Uh, he's done Devil. He's about to do a new movie called Old, which looks pretty pretty interesting. Um, it came out in sorry, I just had it here. I think 2004. I want to say I don't have the exact date. Um, Sounds right. Yep, July 30, 2004. Um, Filming locations, I think it was, I can't remember where it was filmed, um, but the budget was $60 million estimated. Opening weekend, it did $50,746,000. Uh, gross was $114,197,000. Uh, worldwide, it uh, did $256 million. Um, it was 108 minutes. It was PG-13. Um, it is um, rated PG-13 for... Uh, I think it's, uh, yep, scene of violence and frightening situations. Um, one cool trivia fact, it took the crew 11 weeks to build the set for the village. There were nearly 300 people in the scenic and construction department alone. And that's uh, pretty much all I really have. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Well, let's go back to this top-notch cast. All right, Joaquin Phoenix, again, also in Signs. Walk the line, like you said. Fantastic actor. Bryce Dallas Howard. You know, I used to think Arrested Development was Ron Howard's finest work, but Casey, that's not true, is it? His best work is with Bryce Dallas Howard. Damn straight. Damn straight. I would make chicken noodle soup with her bath water. <laughs> 
ashamed. I'm not ashamed to say these things. Okay, if she ever heard oh, and, this podcast, and that was she, one of her first movies, by the way, it was, it was. And Adrian Brody, you know, Adrian Brody, he's been in a lot of things. He was in uh, that that reboot, <laughs> or maybe it was a sequel. I don't know of Predators uh, a few years back. He was in uh, King Kong, Peter Jackson's version. He was in Splice. Um, he's in Splice. You know, he's in a lot and, of Wes Anderson movies too. Why? Well, you know, I think this film might be Adrian Brody's Who's Eating Gilbert Grape. <laughs> I mean, much like Leo and Gilbert Grape, you know, uh, Brody would kind of go on to become a personified lady boner. Am I right? I never saw it. But there was, <laughs> once upon a time, he was, uh, you know, there were a lot of gals wanting to sit on his face. Uh, I wouldn't say he's the hammer of the movie. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> I'm just putting it out there that as the okay. resident lady of the podcast. Yes. Who needs to say anything else about Sigourney Weaver? I have Came a lot to say hearts. about Sigourney Weaver. I know you do, and I'm sick of <laughs> hearing about it, okay? She came into our hearts as Ellen Ripley in the Alien Saga. Damn and right. she is an American treasure. I hope she's, she's not icon. Canadian. She's not Canadian, is she? No, I said she's an icon. Okay, I'm asking, though. She's not Canadian, right? She's American. Okay, because I don't want to make the mistake of calling somebody an American treasure if they're Canadian, you know? She's Canadian. Is she Canadian, James? Yep. She's okay, from New cool. York. Sigourney Weaver. Uh, New York, Canada, I think. So, um, <laughs> you know, th- then you got Bill Hurt, you know, the, the kind of actor you call along when you need rock solid, like not a lot of sizzle, but a whole lot of steak. You know, he's uh, you know, he's the Mo Fine of this blunder, right? Mo Howard, Larry Fine. Shit, I don't know. But anyway, Cherry Jones and Jane Atkinson. I knew none of you fuckers were going to bring up these names, but these two gals were in 24. Greatest TV action drama of all time, okay? Cherry Jones, Jane Atkinson. Two of the old gals that didn't mean anything in this movie. So, based on the trailer, and, like, that's the first thing I went to. We know that there's creatures that live outside this village. We don't have to ask that. But but what I was asking myself when, you know, we're dropping into this film is, are these creatures despotic in nature, or are they cautiously coexisting with the villagers? I don't know. But it, it doesn't really tell from, the, you know, the opening scene. But, you know, we know from Jump Street that the village is, you know, the mourning a dead kid. You know, it's a sad event for anybody and everybody involved. You know, Bill Hurt's given his speech to the village about being uh, grateful for the time they have. Uh, we, we hear a sound come from the woods. And still at this point, I don't know if it's like a call of tyranny or if the creatures are mourning too. I mean, I, I think from the reactions from everybody, they're definitely seen as like antagonistic like no one seems to Adrian Brody Adrian Brody is kind of riding his own wavelength throughout the entirety of this movie that is a fact (laughs) he sure is well I mean he's he's gonna ride a few wavelengths and he's got a few things going on that I I'm kind of riding a James wavelength here though like James might have watched the wrong movie but I had the wrong ending in mind. I'm not going to skip to the ending, but I, I can't hold on to the thought really much longer because I thought this movie ended a completely different way. And now I want to know what you thought it ended like. Well, we'll I'm, get there. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. But yeah, I feel like this is one yeah. of the movies James and I would have seen in theaters. But I was and, and I have a couple cool. questions about the ending when we get there too because I wanted to ask about something. So oh, well, I'm sure you do, Rick. Well, more questions arise when you know we see the young girls sweeping off the front porch and they stop what they're doing to get rid of these red flowers or berries. I can't remember, but they they bury them in the front yard. So like, picture yourself watching this for the first time. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but as a first time viewer. There's nothing to infer here except that something made them uneasy, right? Yeah, kind of. And we don't know what it is. Um, We only know that these red berries or flowers were by the porch, and they stopped what they were doing. But they've got, later on, they got dead, skinned, mutilated animal corpses. The kids are all blaming it on the creature in the woods. Creatures in the woods, I guess. But, I mean, if if I'd have been there, you know, well, I don't know. I guess I would have, too. Uh, These are the tales that the old people tell, you know, and did anybody else grow up with, I guess, a grown up of some kind telling you that don't go over there because there's a monster in there or something of the like? Because I had two of them. All my life. (laughs) They still tell you, don't they? (laughs) Don't go in that pantry, James. Don't go to bed, There's a booger man. 
<laughs> my parents never did that. My mom was actively trying to convince me that ghosts weren't real. Okay, so she just wanted to shoot everything down from the beginning. Well, she believes in ghosts is the thing. Like, she was telling me ghosts weren't real to keep me from freaking out and losing my mind. Meanwhile, she fully believes in ghosts. Ah. So mine was kind of riding an opposite wavelength to try and calm my neurotic ass down. Okay, so I, I thought you were going to go like, and then at five, she told me there was no Santa Claus or Easter Bunny. Whoa, let's not spoil things for our listeners. Uh, do you think that anybody <laughs> who's listening to this show <laughs> would... You know what? I'm not going to put it past any of these people. Also, uh, Rick shout is out to right my, there. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. He, <laughs> I'm sorry, Rick. That one's on me. Okay, huh? You spoiled you spoil movies before, so I just spoiled something for you, and I'm sorry. Oh, I zoned out. Yeah, Mom and Dad have been buying those presents all these years. You fucker, you weren't even listening. <laughs> God. Anyway, Joaquin Phoenix, who we now know as Lucius, you know, he comes before the elders, and you know they're like, "Oh, this fucking guy, what's he gonna do?" So like, they already think he's a dumbass or something. They got some kind of you know weird feeling about him. But he's asking to take passage through the woods to get medicine for the village. Says you know the creatures will see he's pure at heart and let him pass. Who's got the balls to do that? Not me. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> the creatures in general, like the way they're describing them, definitely seem super ominous. Like the those we don't speak of vibe. Tell you what I'd do. I know what you'd do, James. I'd run through them woods wide open. You know, I don't think we've really covered this, but that's kind of James's uh, James's forte is a kind of the cryptid world, right? James, give us a rundown of what the fuck cryptid even means, because I think it I think it fits here in. Somewhat anyway. I really don't know what cryptid means. I guess it's a unexplained animal. Not the word. There you go. Okay. I guess what falls in that category? Well, you got your Bigfoot, your Dog Man, possibly these things that live in these woods, uh, Goat Man. Goat Man. And where does Goat Man reside? Southern listeners. Uh, the Yeti. (laughs) Yeti. You got the uh, skunk ape? The what? Skunk ape. Yeah. Oh, so y'all are just going to talk like this is normal shit. Chupacabra. Chupacabra. (laughs) Chupacabra. (laughs) Jersey Devil. This is like when Rick tried to tell us. Oh, wait, Jersey Devil's a cryptid. Billy, this is like when Rick tried to tell us that jackalopes were real. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I did the the little uh, brain teaser thing, and the animal he chose was jackalope. (laughs) I'm like, are jackalopes real? Or somebody said that, and Rick's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, you said that. Yeah, and Rick's like, yeah. (laughs) He sounded so sure of it. (laughs) Then y'all said ghosts and aliens aren't real, so I just quit talking. Oh, Listen, man, calm down, right? We're not firing live rounds in here. (laughs) Well, back to the village. Apparently, it's the job of the women to put everyone at ease about the dead animals they're finding everywhere. (sighs) Like, smart fucking idea, because women aren't overdramatic. They'll they'll get everybody calmed down, all right. There's no way any woman's going to, you know, make it worse. Well, there wouldn't be any predators killing our small animals if someone would eat all his dinner and not throw it out in the yard. (laughs) <laughs> or, hey, Mildred, maybe your dog would still be alive if it wasn't shitting in my yard. But, yeah, let's blame the predators. I think you're creating unneeded animosity amongst our female listeners. I may be projecting, and I apologize. And I have never been dramatic in my life, so. No, you only tried to move someone's Mustang and, like, tap the gas pedal and said, oh, my God, it almost launched me to outer space. (laughs) I forgot that happened. (laughs) So we jumped to Judy Greer's character, and the only thing that runs through my mind right now is the fact that her name is Kitty in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And her name is Kitty in Arrested Development. And the two characters could not be less alike. I kept waiting (laughs) for Kitty to walk away from Lucius after professing her love for him. Say goodbye (laughs) to these. Say goodbye to these. So she's professing her love of old dumbass Lucius to her father, asking for his blessing to speak to Lucius, who undoubtedly has a line of women flocking to him. I mean, this is, you know, the one village where being the funny one doesn't get you laid. 
Sorry, Brody. But like, so she's made like quite a sales pitch here. And like, I don't know how Lucius doesn't just fall in love right there, but Kitty is soon after heartbroken and crying in the, crying in the lap of her angelic boy sister. And that, my friends, is where I want to go ahead and preemptively crown the hammer of the village. Ron and Howard. I'm, I am talking about <laughs> not Ron Howard. <laughs> Not Mo Howard. <laughs> I'm talking about blind ass Bryce Dallas Howard. We're talking hammer and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yes. James, I, what say you? Bryce Dallas Howard's the blind redhead. I concur. Thank you, James. Casey? I would like to put honorary mention for Sigourney Weaver, but I agree. But not in this movie. She's a hammer in so many other places, but not in this movie. I I don't know that, like, if I had a gavel, I would hold you in contempt of court. I would shove you out of the fucking judge chair. (laughs) She's still hot. In this movie, she's hot. Sigourney Beaver is hot in this movie. She didn't get less hot just because she put a frilly shirt on. The hell she didn't. Look, just because your type isn't like 1800s women. I did just rewatch Alien, and her underwear gets smaller and smaller every time I watch it. And I love it. Look, you can feel how you feel. I'm just giving my honorary hammer award to Sigourney Weaver. But I agree that Bryce Dallas Howard is the overall hammer of this movie. Happy? I am. Ricky? I agree. With whom? Me? So much oh, just said. Bryce Dallas Howard. almost thought you were going to say Adrian Brody. <laughs> Uh, Adrian Brody. Okay, well, it, it is unanimous. Bryce Dallas Howard is a goddess. You know, early on in this movie, I really wondered how serious these people were taking the wood creatures. Like, they're playing this t- chicken-type game, uh, you know, testing the creatures. You know, they got uh, Mark Zuckerberg standing up on a stump, you know, <laughs> ready, ready for him to get you know, torn bow to stern. And I'm really starting to not believe in them at this yeah, point myself. <laughs> <laughs> what, I it, that was. Yeah, yeah, definitely Mark Zuckerberg. Um, <laughs> what's his What's his name? I, I can't think of it. Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, the only movie I actually like him in was uh, it was Now You See Me, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was he also in Twenty One as I a as a think, blackjack player? I don't think he's in Twenty One. Okay, so maybe I'm thinking somebody else is like the. He's in that the, one movie. Uh huh. Magicians. That's now you yeah, see that, me. Yeah, that's now you see me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Or, or did you uh, watch some Robin Williams flick thinking it was now you see me and probably you wondered where <laughs> the magic started? Yeah, <laughs> it's like doing a different type of magic. Yo, stop! Collaborate and listen. Ice is back. <laughs> Okay, freestyle so, over here. We are meeting Kitty's sister now. Okay, blind ass Bryce on account is of her being blind. Is that her name? Film in the film. I I do not remember uh, Ivy. This is a film, not a movie. Let's just get that straight. Well, first of all, it's a picture, not a film. <laughs> is a film because it's fancy it is it is pretty fancy it is fancy but you know let's talk about how fancy this is when i watched this movie i thought to myself okay yeah this is a period piece but i couldn't figure out for the fucking life of me what fucking period we're talking about these people don't match any types of cultures that i've ever known about or yeah, is because you're not from the 1800s. Okay, but I have studied the 1800s in school, and not or, one, are these are these people Puritans? Are they Pilgrims? Are they Quakers? Do they like oatmeal? What is their deal? Were they churning like butter out there? Or what? Were they churning butter? Probably. I didn't see anybody churning butter, so they you know no Amish, no Mennonites. Who are these people? The only thing you know about history is from what Mr. Allen taught you. Mr. Allen was a fantastic teacher, and we didn't co- we covered government in his class. Mr. John Creasy, Tennessee historian, was the one who taught me everything I know about history, and I forgot it all by eighth grade. So, but is it a period piece at all, James? Mm-hmm. You're 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 on to something. <laughs> 
you are on to something. And, you know, another thing I question, not only the legitimacy of the culture in this village, but I question how blind, blind-ass Betty really is because she saw those red berries but couldn't see her way to do any work around the village. Right. Oh, you chimed in quick on that, Rick. What if she's really not? What if she's really not blind at all? See, y'all are calling different twists. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is Shyamalan, man. If I could feign blindness around here, if I could feign blindness around here, I would. Why would she pretend to be blind? Exactly. What to get out of doing work? Yeah, she wants to be the one to go on the. the She still works. She doesn't do any work. All she does is console Kitty. Babysit Adrian Brody. And babysit Adrian, which is fun. Like, they took off on that race, and, man, she went A to B in no time flat, knew exactly where to run, didn't run into any trees like I would have done. Did you know in real life she can see? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's a continuity issue to me. They're going to have to retcon this thing. So you're saying that she pretended to be blind from an early age just to go in the woods later on. I mean, it's fucking perfect, James. That's destiny, man. Y'all are stupid. Okay, well, this is a bad theory. Okay, well, you know, maybe it's not a real theory. Maybe I'm just talking shit. That's his theory that he's come up with, not mine. I I didn't say anything about the woods. I know she's blind. No, James, I'm saying I agree with you that she is blind. He won't accept that. He doesn't want any... Once you agree with him, he changes his story. Billy said... He wants to be the only one. She stayed blind so she could go in the woods. I at no time did I ever say that. Well, that's what I said. I said she faked. I said she faked being blind so she could go on the mission and get out of everything, get out of her responsibilities. Okay, so it wasn't Bill that said it. (laughs) Well, that. So there you go. She faked her being blind to go into the woods later on in her life. (laughs) Boy, uh, a wordsmith, this man. (laughs) I weave. Like an artist weaves a basket. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I find the dialogue in this film, this picture, uh, to be a bit bland. Uh, I mean, call me simple as fuck if you must, but if they're going to use this type of diction and phrasing the way they are, I need a British accent or something. Like, you know, these folks all like kind of sound like me talking, you know, in seventh grade, doing my poetry, reading the tiger. I'm like, tiger, tiger, burning bright. Right? Well, that's because I ain't going to say it because we haven't even got to it yet. Yeah, don't say it, James. (laughs) It's all a ploy, Bill. God, man, I tell you what. It's a good thing you weren't around when I did a gender reveal for my kids. You'd have spoiled (laughs) for everybody before the blue smoke even hit the sky. That goat ain't even real. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we're giving a teaser, though, that there really is something in the woods. When Lucius goes to the site where uh, Adrian Brody, he he picked these red berries, which he kind of got in trouble for. So, like, was this scene as creepy to everybody else as it was to me? When Lucius is in the woods and you see the little guy, you know, seeing those feet scurrying away. And like, you don't see anything else but some, some legs. And that kind of gave me that I saw something, but what did I see feeling? Yeah, absolutely. I, Definitely had me on my point. toes. I that knew something jolted me. I knew something was in the woods, but I didn't know what. See, exactly. That's exactly what I just said. Like, I saw something, but what did I see? So, like, to me, that that little scene gave me a shot in the arm. So, like, my attention is back up. Like, it was it was up at the beginning when we see the guy, you know, crying over his dead kid. And it, it has slowly gone down. But we needed to know the character. And I think we pretty well know everybody at this point for the most part. And then the shot in the arm happens with the little creature in the woods. And, you know, a- after a pretty insignificant scene with Bryce Dallas Howard and Joaquin, things kind of pick up for a bit. And we see what happens when there's a village breach. When the creatures come into the village, they go on full lockdown, full COVID lockdown, like general quarters. And like we get like a really good view of these creatures. There's no hiding it. There's no waiting till the end of the movie. There's no, uh, you know, uh, home camera a la signs where the alien walks across the screen. No, this is like full head to toe view for lengthy periods. So for the first time viewer, like that might feel like a letdown to have that creature slash monster exposed so early. Does anybody else feel that way? I was pretty excited to see them creatures. 
I was going to say, it didn't hurt anything for me. I was fine with seeing it early because that leads you to anticipate it more later. Well, you know, I think it's important that they did, but it doesn't change how I felt at the time. I understand why they did because there's more coming when it comes to these creatures. But I feel like a Shyamalan flick or even just, you know, a creature feature, a lot of times the creature isn't exposed until the climax of the film. Does that make sense? No, totally. I just, in this situation, I wasn't mad about it. Okay. Well, it's believed that the creatures came into the village because, you know, one of them saw Lucius in the woods on their turf, and they marked some of the doors, you know, with the little red mark. And, like, at this point, we're left to wonder what that means. And it had been a while since I saw this flick, and I couldn't remember what, why the red marks were there. Um, I'm, I'm sure you guys saw the movie more recently than I had. Did you guys remember what those red marks were about? I didn't. And I had only just watched it a few years ago. Rick, did yeah, you remember? I have no clue. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, didn't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with the color red, I guess. I mean, yeah, there was definitely something with the color red because it seems like with, with the color scheme used in this whole flick, you've got some very, would you call them autumn colors? I don't know my, uh, you, Katie, is, you, you, you've worked uh, in the clothing line business before. <laughs> would, would this be I, considered... Even if I hadn't worked in, uh, I think you call it retail often enough, um, this is the most (laughs) perfect, like, autumn landscape color scheme in any movie. Like, when I want to get into a fall mood and it comes time where things start cooling down, I want to watch The Village. Okay, and then you get that red that you can't mistake anywhere else. It's it's like a uh, candy apple red, and Mm. it just sticks out like a sore thumb. It sure does. So we jump forward to Kitty's wedding. I mean, she rebounded pretty quickly here. I don't know. Maybe this is commonplace amongst the Puritans or whoever the hell they are, but I'm not here to judge. But, you know, during the after party, you know, we hear some screams and there's some young boys that, you know, they're reporting that the creatures, you know, want the village to be vacated. And every everybody, you know, everybody goes out to check, you know, the village and all the animals are dead and they're skinned. And Sigourney, you know, she, uh, you know, she can't passive aggress herself out of this. One. You know, it seems the creatures really are taking extensive steps here. And there's a few story arcs going on. But one that I've kind of glossed over is, you know, the romance between Lucius and Ivy or Joaquin and Bryce Dallas Howard. So you're going to sit there with your face and tell me that Ivy never caught wind of her own sister having designs on Lucius. Why didn't she try to stop that? Like, I was expecting Kitty to show up to Lucius' home to tell him to, you know, say goodbye to these before, you know, flashing her boobs at him. And then, you know, of course, watch too much Arrested Development since the COVID era began. But (laughs) why is BDH not talking to Kitty before she goes and embarrasses herself to, to walk the line? It's probably an awkward conversation to have. They've all been hanging around Adrian Brody in this movie. Okay. <laughs> I think they're far past awkward. Good point. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So the next scene is kind of a real mind fuck of, of the movie for me. You know, here, here comes Brody with his giggly ass showing up to Lucius's home. This is where some shit goes down. So, like, in, instead of Kitty and her and her boobs, she, you know, he comes into the house. No warning. Lucius invites him in, turns around, and what is what is Brody's name in this movie? Noah. Noah. Thank you. Noah puts a knife right in Lucius' gut, and even a second time when he's on the ground. Again, not having seen this film in so long, I was blindsided. I, I think he does it more than once. I think it's like four or five times. I think it's does he do it more than that? Yeah, I, I knew yeah. twice at least. Maybe uh, yeah, maybe I missed the other ones. But like, can someone please explain to me why Noah comes in and stabs up Lucius? He has a crush on Ivy, doesn't he? That's kind of what I had taken it for anyway. Also, fun fact: this movie originally, when it was screened, had an R rating and the way they removed the R rating was removing the stabbing sound from where uh, Joaquin Phoenix got stabbed. That took it back down to a PG-13 movie, which was the goal. So just the audio of the stabs? Just the audio. They could still show it fine, but you couldn't hear the gross noise. That seems backwards. Yeah. (laughs) But I always assumed it was because he had a crush on Ivy. Why did I think Noah and Ivy and Kitty were all siblings? No. Who's Noah's family? 
No, it was someone else's kid. Who, I don't, who were his parents? Um, not theirs. And I don't, who gave him a knife? Look, we don't know that for certain. That could be a whole other crack the case. What? If, if you remember, he after he stabs Lucius, he comes back home, and they're getting ready to go to, I think, the meeting or whatever. And her, the mom's like, hey, where's where's Noah? And then you see him, and he's, like, holding his hands, like... You know, showing on the blood. Oh, yeah, he's just completely enthralled with this color. Right. The spooky color. The spooky color. Well, Lucius is fading fast, but Ivy Walker, this hammer of the gods. <laughs> sorry, don't let my cat out. Sorry. You told me oh. you lost weight, Rick. He's breaking his floor. I had to let my cat out. That was my door. Sorry. Anyway, continue. Oh, I thought it was your wooden floor. I was like, no. heart shit going on. No. buried <laughs> under your wooden floor. No, man. Anyway. Well, so Lucia's again fading fast. Ivy comes in. She's a hammer of the gods. Her eyes kind of suck, but still, hammer of the gods. You know, she now wants to pass through the woods because, you know, Lucius is, you know, her... Her love, and he asked before, you know, to retrieve those medicines, so she's going to do it. She wants to do it. And now here's a random thought I had at this time. I'm sorry, before I get to my random thought, what were you going to say, Casey? Um, I was going to say it reminded me of the movie Balto, where the dog gets to go get the medicine for the kid. Is this movie just Balto dramatized? <laughs> it might be. Okay, hey, but this He'd run around free anyway with a knife. I, that's what I ask. Casey is defending his parents. Um, I'm not defending them. I'm saying they're not sounded like it. Okay. Well, my random thought. Bill Hurt, is he related to John Hurt, the dad from Home Alone? I have no idea, but I'm happy to look into it for us. Please do. I will. Because I, caught, I caught some angles, man, that made Bill Hurt kind of look like John Hurt, a young John Hurt. Not like Sharknado John Hurt. It doesn't look like it. Son of a bitch. I thought I had a revelation here. No, it doesn't look like they're related. The ties into Home Alone? Yes. It's a sequel. It's a remake. Uh, it's 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 a standalone. <laughs> Mm. like that at all. <laughs> well, much like before, Ivy's requested to go to town through the woods to get meds for Lucius. And honestly, for everyone, but, you know, mainly for Lucius. And oddly, there's no one better to go than the blind chick. Not totally digging that. Uh, they all seem like some... Some pure of heart people besides Noah. Nobody stabbed, you know, you know, or hurt anyone intentionally. Um, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. But, hey, they, they got some magic rocks, so that's good, right? That's uh, the story that BDH tells the, the people that go with her, her, her chaperones, if you will. Is, is that, Was that correct in what I gathered? In order to get them to go willingly, I guess, they came up with the story of the, the, the rocks that keep them safe from the creatures? Yeah, that was kind of what I understood it to be also. Well, that didn't help, did it? No. No. What? But who could have seen that coming? They left her blind ass in the woods. Magic rocks. Why didn't the old guys just go? Like the that people... Well, you know why the old guys didn't go. Actually, no, you don't know. That's a great question, James. Because if they... Well... Let's put a pin in that question, James, because it's a perfect question to come back to once we, you know, talk about the ending and other options, I guess. Because, you know, much like we've come to expect with Shyamalan, I hope I'm saying that name right. I, I hate mispronouncing names. Shyamalan? I think you, I think we're close, if anything. Thank goodness. Well, we're hit with another. Shyamalan. That sounds more like an Indian would say. You're right, James. He is from India, right? Originally, maybe he's American and with an Indian uh, descent. Puerto Rican descent. He's definitely not Puerto Rican. I can ten percent guarantee that. But we're hit with the unexpected as uh, Bill Hurt, Mister Walker, as it were. Uh, he reveals to Ivy that the creatures are not creatures at all. The creatures were merely what a control method. They were, they were made up so they won't go outside the wall. And, of course, they they reveal this during the whole half of the movie. Here you go. Here's the premise, and we're just going to tell you they're fake. That's my oh. problem with it. Like, really? Come on. Where's Elma's surprise? 
Well, the element of surprise does come, though, because we now are omniscient to most, well, I wouldn't say omniscient, but we know a whole lot more than uh, blind-ass Bryce knows in the woods. She's still under the impression that, yeah, uh, they are not real, but when she sees the creature out in the woods, oh, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. So he reveals... blind. <laughs> Mr. Walker reveals to Ivy that the creatures are, are, are fake. It's a control method. It's a fear tactic. The elders use the creatures as a means to have a pure village, a place of innocence, as Walker said. And he said something that I thought was pretty profound. He said that Ivy was more capable than most in the village because she was motivated by love. And the following scenes proved him right. She was abandoned by her accompaniment, accompaniment by her group. <laughs> she almost fell into sinkholes, and she's still battling with the doubt that what, uh, I guess her, it's her father, right? Bill hurts her dad, right? Yeah, he's her dad. Okay, so she's still battling with the doubt that what her father told her may not be true, because there are not supposed to be any creatures out in the woods, yet there is one. She sees the, the, the outline, so obviously she's not like pitch black blind. She's uh, probably just got super blurry, like, you know, me at 7 a.m., but an amazing scene. Ivy's trial in the woods, okay? She was told the creatures were an invention by the elder, but, you know, she was met by one of such creatures, draped in red, as hideous as we all remembered from, you know, the costume. She used some misdirection. She, Ivy tricked the creature into falling into the sinkhole from earlier. And this is pretty heavy, because we don't see exactly what's happened to the creature. We just know that he's fallen, it has fallen, into the sinkhole. And meanwhile, back in the village, it's found out that Noah, you know, he found, I guess he found one of the hidden costumes, and yeah. had been, he'd been moonlighting by, you know, killing the village animals, thus getting the bad color that he was, you know, so enthralled by. And it was he who was the creature who fell in the hole and ultimately died. That scene, though, I think it's, I mean, I dare to venture it's the most memorable scene of the movie, the one with her in the woods, and you see the creature. And the creatures, for being something that this random group of elders made up as a fear tactic to use on the village, they look cool as fuck. They do look pretty cool. Why do we not see more Halloween costumes with this costume with this creature i agree with that i would love to see it as like a halloween costume or a cosplay or something i think it would make a really good one well it's a tough scene with a tough ending but in the end you know noah's death gives the village elders exactly what they needed a way to continue the facade and maintain their utopia or perfection and you know we see why there was no better person to send than the one who was blind but james back to your question why couldn't the elders go? All the elders have to do is go and come back and don't say anything, right? I guess I'm guessing that's why you asked that. What? <laughs> Did you ask me a question? <sighs> this thing's gonna be impossible to edit. Are we playing quiet as a mouse? No, James. I asked you a question. <laughs> back to back to your original question. Why couldn't the uh, elders go? I don't know why. I'm not asking you, James. I'm reiterating your question. Why did the elders, once all the little animals started getting skint and all this other stuff started happening, why did the elders be like, well, it's not me doing it and it's not you doing it. <laughs> Somebody's got to be doing it. But they weren't very concerned with that. Just like a full Mexican standoff who done it. Well, no, Sigourney Weaver definitely thinks that there's some kind of, uh, you know, scavenging, you know, coyote or dog or something out there, wild dog or something that's that's doing this. Would a wild mm. animal like skin something whole like that though? I mean, she doesn't have all the answers. I'm just saying that she has a thought. Yeah. And it's, and it's not, you know, it's not Noah running around doing it. Yeah. You know, sk skinning it perfectly is, <laughs> it, it takes talent. That's something James Brown can't even do. No, it cannot. So, <laughs> why didn't the elders go? That's, and come back with their magic rocks. That's the... <laughs> 
They weren't looking for the magic rocks. They sent the magic rocks that were quote unquote magic with um with Ivy. And they also mm-hmm. talked about like people leaving there before and coming back. So yeah. Did they just want that guy to die? Did they leave and come back or did they just leave? I thought somebody left and come back. Like his dad left but he got killed though when he tried to go. Yeah, I I think the reason why they they're not the elders aren't going is because there's that one scene where um Ivy's dad he opens up the box and shows the picture and he says, This is my brother, you know, whatever he got killed. This is and then the lady says, Oh, this is so and so. She died and she got killed and you know Someone else says, this is so-and-so, they died and they got killed. I can't remember, but that's the basic synopsis. I think the reason why they don't want to go to the outside world because they know what the outside world did to their family. Okay, mm, see. That's, that's a really good point. So what I understood was that picture was full of people who all had their own specific reasons to want this utopia to remain intact because of bad things that happened. And I right, didn't that's what see I mean, it as, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that as a reason to not go. I just saw it as a reason for them to want to maintain the facade, if that makes sense. And that's what I thought, Billy, initially. But hearing this reasoning, I mean, like, I could see it. I don't think it's, like, a super good reason. Like, I don't think they're fearful like they would be of the creatures if they were real. But I could see where they wouldn't necessarily want to venture to the outside world when this, like, utopia has done them right. That, that's all fair. And it's really thought-provoking. But, you know, out of all these mindfucks, the biggest mindfuck is the moment that Ivy exits the woods by climbing the fence. And we see that what we've been witnessing has not been happening in a village of centuries past. Yeah. This is very much modern day. This is like today, basically. This is, you know, 2004 when the movie was made. There was no, you know, there's no time frame that's separating these two places, you know. And and that, this whole time, we're, we're thinking that we're watching Marie Antoinette while we're actually watching, you know, The Day After Tomorrow. And that that was as big a, a gasp moment as Noah falling into the pit, as the creatures coming out of the woods, her coming, her exiting the woods and seeing, a, a, I guess, a park ranger or something like that. Yeah, it said wild, wilderness preserve. Yeah, a wilderness preserve uh, ranger. Um, and, and here we are in, in modern day America, and she has no idea. That guy sure did look scared shitless to see her, though. He absolutely did. And, <laughs> but, you know, like, she makes it back. You know, saves, uh, I hope she saves Lucius. Um, but this, I mean, the ending of the movie isn't so much important as the revelation of the time and the reasoning for wanting to, again, keep this facade intact. And man, it's, it's such a good movie to me, starting with the trials in the woods. That's when things start to come together. And I absolutely could not look away from the screen once that happened. It may have been a slow burn. You know, maybe too slow for many. And Rick, again, you I mean, you said you're not a big fan of this movie, but you I think you've given a fair you know, a fair review of the of the film. Can and I ask my question, under- by the way? Oh yeah, please do. So, something I I don't I've never understood is when she goes, she sees the wilderness guy. He said, "You came from in there." She was like, "Yeah." And there's the there's the big concrete fence with the barbed wire, like. Does he does he just think that it's a wilderness preserve? Does he not? Does he is he just thinking like what the hell? This girl climbed over this wall. Didn't I mean, they did, say that the that like William Hurt's character, her dad, like paid all this money to keep it separate, and that like planes don't fly over it or anything like that. Like people are not supposed to be back there at all, at all, right? Yeah, you get that from the um the other park ranger who is not aware of Ivy's existence. You know, the one yeah, that because that's that's actually M Night Shyamalan on reading the newspaper what and yes that is him reading the yeah. newspaper and if you listen on the radio when you listen to the radio they talk about like coalition forces forces are talking about the iraq war in 2004 still going on mm-hmm. um but he's like hey you know the guy goes and gets the medicine and he goes back out but yeah that's that's him not shaman sitting at that desk and the, even notice. Yeah. and the date on the newspaper is july 30th 2004 which is the day the movie came out now that's some trivia that I didn't didn't know. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But then, but then my other question is, when he gives her the ladder and she goes over the wall again, why does he not want to go with her and see what is there? I mean, you know? He says he doesn't. 
I know I'm probably thinking too much into it, but that's just my thinking. I'm just like, why would he not want to know what's really back there? So why is he just accepting that there's a girl climbing over a wall? Right, and that? she's asking for medicine, and she doesn't know, you know, never seen a car before or whatever, you know? Well, I mean, if you live near where I live, um, and actually you do live not that far from uh, some Mennonite settlements, and if somebody comes out of there, you know, dressed the way they dress, and ask you for something, do you follow them back to the settlement or do you just let them go on their way? Right. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And if it's like a lot, well, and that's a good point too, because if it's a lot of, uh, and I Shyamalan's other movies, then I know most of his stuff takes place in Pennsylvania, which has a really high Amish population. Mm-hmm. So that wouldn't necessarily, I mean, her crawling out of the woods may be a little weird the way she's dressed. Not so much. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Well, like I said, this movie is a really slow burn, maybe too slow for, for some people. Totally fine. But I mean, it's not the fault of, you know, M. Night Shyamalan that all you jerks need to be entertained every minute of every movie. <laughs> you know, otherwise he would just make Crank or Hardcore Henry, right? I enjoyed the movie. Not my favorite Shyamalan movie, but still very good. The last scenes of this film, this is what I uh, alluded to earlier. I remember this scene, or the, the ending of the movie, not being with someone from the Wildlife Preserve. But I thought the movie ended with Bryce Dallas Howard exiting the woods to end up on a busy city sidewalk. What movies am I mixing up? I have no idea. She was in an episode of Black Mirror. Encino Man. I can guarantee it wasn't Encino (laughs) Man, James. (laughs) She was in a Black Mirror episode where she lived in suburbia and she was jogging, but... Maybe you're thinking of that. I don't know. I've never seen Black Mirror, unfortunately, and I've heard that it's fantastic. But there's a movie from around the same, you know, time frame that ended with somebody exiting somewhere and ending up on a city sidewalk. And there are people, like, just minding their business in suits, carrying briefcases, you know, passing by with their baby strollers, you know, doing everyday shit. And this person's, like, looking around like, who the fuck are these people? And, man, I really hope I didn't just conjure that in my own mind. But it doesn't matter. It didn't end that way. So let's go ahead and give our final thoughts on this movie before we get James's pick for next week. So, Rick, final thoughts, my guy. Um, I would say I don't I don't hate it. Um, I think it's okay. It's not one of my favorites. Question. Um Did this review improve it at all in your uh in, in your stock of it yeah because when i saw it initially after it came out on dvd and i bought the dvd a couple of years ago and i found out halfway through the movie that oh the creatures aren't real then i i, I checked out i checked out i said whatever they're not real who gives a shit i already know how it ends they're not real you know and and i didn't give it a chance and now this knowing going over it again saying okay yeah well that's part of it but that's not the whole movie so, yeah, it definitely did give me, uh, you know, a little bit better understanding of, hey, this is, you know, this is an okay movie. You know, it's all right. Thanks for coming around, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> James, final thoughts? I thought <laughs> this was an okay movie. That's not what you said before. So you're what coming I, around, too. What did I say before? You said that uh, it was terrible and you hated it and who knows what else. You uh, And that was, you know, paraphrasing. I'm sure you were oh. far more dramatic. It's complete trash, hot garbage. <laughs> Don't ever watch this movie. Now, are you talking about The Village or The Witch? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's M. Night Shyamalan. He's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Final girl, Casey. Final thoughts. So... Before I give, like, my total overview, I think one of the, I know Rick talked about, like, you know the ending, blah, 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 whatever, which, like, yeah, you know it's not real, but one of the most interesting parts of the movie to me is that she still goes back not really knowing what's going on. No one else except the elders really know what's going on, and they say that Noah's death is going to be something that they can continue to use to their advantage. So it might not be real, but it's still very real to them and will continue to be, and I think that's interesting. But like I said, I love this movie. I pick this movie. Um, I think it's fun. I think it's really pretty to look at. And I think it's spooky. Um, in other people's thought, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 43%, which is pretty rough. Um, one of the positive reviews is a thought pro- ugh, thought-provoking thought thriller, too intense for some. 
uh, I will say that the trivia says that it is on Roger Ebert's most hated list. So, you know, Roger Ebert is now on my most hated list. I mean, yeah, we're not homies. No. But he, I think you can't always, can't always trust a critic. you got to have your own he feelings. He is dead. Is he dead? That's yes. Nice. I didn't know that. I don't like know. 10 years ago, yeah. How long ago? It was like 10 years ago. It was a while ago. Uh, that was, wasn't that Siskel? No, he died almost 10 years ago. Hell How, long, <laughs> how long has uh, Siskel been dead? Mm. He's been dead for like 20 then in that case. Let's see. I'm looking it up now. He died in, yeah, 1999, so 21 years. Damn. All right, in 10 more years, Roper's going to be a goner. Damn. You're yeah. going to call that pretty profoundly. Okay, well, when it happens, we're going to replay this, and it's going to get a lot of listens. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, now it's time to get the final call from the godfather of Droll. James, what are we watching next week? Uh... Oh, <laughs> Let's see here. <laughs> You've had two weeks to think about this. <laughs> yeah, come on. Well, like I said, I've done everything but this. <laughs> He's going to have us all watch The Witch just so we can play catch up. Yeah, right. I don't watch that movie. It makes me scared. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it? What's it going to be? That is the question for you, I mean, you, you get James. to pick him, man. Is it Rawhead Rex? Is it Dog Soldiers? I want to watch... Ernest Scared Stupid. So, <laughs> that's a pretty good one there, Bill. <laughs> <clears throat> I want to watch The Relic. The Relic? Yeah. Who was in that? Mira Sorvino? Mm, yeah. You would have said yeah Tom, to anybody, Tom, James. Tom Hiddleston. Tom, what was his name? Tom uh, Sizemore. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Sizemore. Tom Hiddleston. God damn it, James. Tittle, tittle, swiddle. <laughs> Tom, Tom Fiddlesticks. And it's a damn good movie. Well, you might know it's going to be a movie that James has already seen recently, so he doesn't have to rewatch something. <laughs> I have not seen this movie recently, so I'm going to be just as thrilled as y'all are. <laughs> All right. Well, there you got it. That's going to do it for this week of Slashers and Screamers. Join us next week where we're going to review The Relic for Casey, James, and Rick. I'm Billy. Catch you next time. Bye.